doesn't fit the in quotations like the mold that Broadway created and I think that this show is obviously like breaking that mold and showing what we can do in the future. Getting to see something unlike anything I've ever seen before is a gift. Jaw on the floor shocked. Scott Rudin, you heard her here first. <laughs> Scott Rudin, balls in your court. Hello, editing Tara here to give you an update before you listen to our new episode on A Strange Loop. I'm here to timestamp this episode. We recorded on October 4th, and sadly, on October 11th, the news broke that A Strange Loop will play its final Broadway performance on January 15th. Now, a PSA, if you are in New York, if you are headed to New York, go see this show. You definitely will not regret it. There are super affordable ways to get tickets, which you will hear later in this episode. Just do yourself a favor and go see it before it closes. And if you've already seen it, go see it again. And with that being said, enjoy the episode. Hi everyone, and welcome back to Off to Broadway, the podcast where we deep dive into anything and everything musical theater from the comfort of my car. I'm Tara. I'm Stefania. And in today's episode, we're talking all about a strange loop. This might feel like a delayed episode because this show won Tony's months ago, but we had a predetermined schedule and this is where it fit <laughs> and it's still running. So now is the time that we're going to talk about it. Um, the other thing to mention, this might be our first explicit episode ever for audio Music. listeners because I don't know that I'll be able to cut around... <laughs> In the songs. You know what I mean? <laughs> we shall see. Let's find out later. Let's... Uh, a surprise. A surprise for the a listeners. Surprise. It's true. Um, so we are talking about A Strange Loop because we both saw it. I saw it in May um, and you saw it in July. July? July? Yeah. Yeah. End of July. Um, and we figured now is the perfect time to talk about it because one, you and I have not even talked about our, like, thoughts and feelings on this show no. together. Our thoughts. And it's not our like... Thoughts. <laughs> our thoughts. And it's not like we were saving it. I just think we thought that we would eventually do an episode, so we thought maybe we shouldn't discuss. Um, and two, it's still, like, going strong on Broadway, even though, like, in our last episode, two episodes ago, the rumor was that it might be closing. There's been no update to that rumor, so it's still going. Um... Maybe we should do like a mini update. There has been like a couple things that have changed um, since the Broadway season preview that we recorded. And I think the main one and maybe most embarrassing one, sorry, Andrew Lloyd Webber, um, <laughs> being that Cinderella from the West End Bad is transferring Cinderella. to Broadway, but it had a name change. Now, I don't I'm know. I'm not your Cinderella. I'm your bad <laughs> Cinderella. And like that song was always called Bad Cinderella. But, like, maybe don't title your musical Bad Anything because you're just asking for, for bad reviews, you know? It, it is quite I don't know, bad in your title, so bizarre to put in there. Um, I know. My theory that I floated to you the other day was that it's a rights issue in the States yeah. but not in the UK or in Europe about being able to say just Cinderella. They might have to, like, put a qualifier, Bad Cinderella. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And that has many meanings, I guess. Yes, um, it is playing at the Imperial. The last show that was there was Ain't Too Proud, but Great Comet was there. So we know that things can be done 
in that theater to maybe like accommodate some of the cool set tricks that they want to do. Um, and the other interesting thing to me was that this show is opening the day or starts previews the day before Phantom closes. So there will not be a single moment that an ALW musical is not running on Broadway. Nope. He's got it covered. This, yeah, he got it covered. As soon as Phantom was closing, he's like, we gotta get Cinderella in there. We gotta get it. Yeah. Um, did anything else happen since that record? Other than, like, Sweeney, which we knew. I feel like so much. We tried to get Merrily off-Broadway tickets, and we didn't. So cry for us. Cry for us. Tragic. I know. It was really hard. It was, it was, it was 2, really hard. I was 2,200 in line, and <laughs> I felt like I was really close. I felt like I was really close there. The thing that we forget is that a lot of those shows were sold out before it even went on sale to the general public. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were trying for, like, those last few weeks in January because those were most available. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, what we'd heard was anyone above 2,000 was not getting a ticket. And that proved true to me. So yeah. I was at like 4,000, so I definitely didn't have a chance. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's it. I think that's all the information that like happened recently. Joseph and Charlotte, like the... did we talk about that? Yes, we talked about that. Wait, it's going to go um, to Broadway, allegedly? Allegedly. Um, but yeah, I feel like there's been like so much, yet... I'm blanking on it right now. Oh, we saw Singing in the Rain. Um, it was fun. It rained a lot. Actually, I just saw an interview with one of the the guy that the lead guy, um, uh-huh. and he said that it's like 18 liters of water that rains, <clears throat> and then twice because it happens again. So they like again. recycle. Yeah. It was a lot of water. It, it was, was a lot a, of water. It was a lot of water. So there was like a pool, a little like not a pool on stage, but kind of like a ridges that went up to collect the yeah. water. But then they would, they were splashing it into the first few rows and they provided ponchos. He also said that apparently if you buy tickets like for those few first few rows, it says like you may get wet. And he was like, not may, you will get wet. So he was purposely, they're kicking it. They're kicking it right yeah. to, the, to those first few rows. No, that, I think that was probably the highlight of the show that like, oh yeah, saying, act one number yeah. saying in the ring. And I mean, hopefully. Yeah. By the time this episode comes out, I will have seen Into the Woods. So maybe we'll do an episode. And maybe, fingers crossed, Almost Famous. I don't know. It's looking like hard to see <laughs> if I'm going to get tickets to that. But um, shout out to Jordan Catalano, who writes on the Broadway World boards. I always read his reviews. And he said at intermission that this might be the best musical that he's seen in years. And then after the show said, it's a perfect musical. It's a perfect musical. You know what yes. actually I haven't talked about? The Notebook. How oh my God, The Notebook. Okay, we'll get so to much. a strange loop in a second. It. We we need to talk about The Notebook. So The Notebook, when does this episode come out? September, sorry, October 17th. So The Notebook extended because the last time we recorded, we weren't going to be able to see The Notebook. We're still not going to be able to see The Notebook. But like it did extend to October 30th. So if you are in the Chicago area, run to see it. Because one, go look at those production photos absolutely stunning and then two read the broadway world um boards because this is where we got the intel that it's actually incredible and that it's ready for broadway like immediately so what what i've heard the music is obviously beautiful like ingrid michaelson music but i've heard the book is really good which is always I know. Like, really Exciting. really the weak point of a show but hearing that the book is really good like it makes me so excited um, and then when, what, what did someone say that it had like bridges and next to normal energy and 
that those are perfect shows to me. Well, Bridges is not like a perfect he, show, but you said though that it had Bridges it energy Bridges. like on our season preview episode, and then that's when I read the review that said it, it. It was like Bridges and ne- meets next to normal, which sounds you know that music is so good and then thinking of next to normal and like the devastation of that story i have heard this is not like a fun time at the theater like you <laughs> will cry okay. um sure. and that the exploration i've read a nicholas of, sparks novel before <laughs> i know um but that the like exploration and detailed like storytelling of dementia is really great wow. and anybody that like knows someone that's gone through that like it's very hard hitting so I don't know like if this goes to Broadway I mean now that we don't have Merrily tickets for January maybe we like push this to a spring trip hoping that the notebook opens before April you know we need to monitor what's opening what's closing you know we have to see we have to see it's crazy it's too much stuff it's too much stuff okay so let's talk about a strange loop um what did you know about A Strange Loop before you saw it, I guess is the best way to say it. So I would say for me, I had, I knew of it um, probably from its off-Broadway production. I hadn't listened to music, um, but I knew of it and I knew there was like buzz around it. March 2020 happens and then that next um, Pulitzer Prize winners are announced and and it's announced A Strange Loop wins the 2020 Pulitzer Prize for Drama, um, which is mm-hmm. one of, I think, 10 musicals to have done it. Um, and at that point, I was like, okay, I need to listen to this cast recording. So I think it's about, it's like May 2020. I'm outside in my backyard, got my headphones in my laptop, and I'm listening fully through to this cast recording for the first time. Um, and it kind of became like a mainstay for that year, um, Mm -hmm. of cast recordings. I have some favorite songs and songs that are like skips or whatever, but I do think it's like a really, really great cast recording. And it just kind of became something I was excited to see. And, you know, it was the pandemic, so we didn't know when the next production was going to be, but obviously, um, and there was, there was a production announced that obviously had to be canceled and then it it went to DC and then when it went to New York, I was like, okay, hopefully I'll get to see it when it's on Broadway before it closes and before it has like a different life. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason that I listened to the cast recording is because you told me about the song periodically, which we'll get to songs later, but that is the reason that I listened to the cast recording. I mm. remember I knew about the off-Broadway production because I want to say at the time when Wesley Taylor still had social media, he <laughs> tweeted, Instagrammed, being like, this show is incredible. Everyone needs to see it. Um, I feel like he was with Alex Wise. And then similarly, like Alex Boniello did the exact same thing. So it's like, okay, mm. so like a lot of people in the industry are going to see this off Broadway. This is obviously something very special. And then I remember listening to it and I mean, it's a very explicit cast recording, so, like, don't expect, I don't know, like, upbeat, super happy music the whole way through, because, like, that's not what you're going to get with that. And so when I listened to it the first time, I was like, oh, I don't know what I think about this. And then when we talked to Britta Johnson, she had said that she was listening to it and that her Mm -hmm. favorite song was Inner White Girl. And I was like, okay, so, like, everyone is kind of, like, listening to this. Um, it's also a show that um, we talked about with Patrick Flynn of the original cast when he came on 
um, summer 2020, we did our title songs and that was mm-hmm. one of his favorite title songs. And I, I've even listened to episodes on his podcast talking about A Strange Loop um, and talking about it right after it won the Pulitzer Prize. So like it, the theater industry, I think, was like very excited for the show and was really excited to like lift it up and to see it and for more people to see it. So it was something that I, we had, there was, that was a very unique experience actually the past two, two and a half years of buzz getting to build for shows before mm-hmm. we were able to see them. Um, and that was something that definitely I think happened with me for a strange loop, like knowing about it, listening to the cast recording and like letting it fester in me before I was finally able to get to see it. Um, so you went with, so I, when I saw it, I saw it alone, actually. I was in here yeah. with my parents and I said, I'll go see this by myself. I don't know if this is for you. Um, and you guys can go see something else. Um, yeah. And actually, it was funny. I've talked about this before, but um, before I waited. My parents show was at two, so my mom was at three. So I hung out in the drama bookshop and I was like chatting with other theater goers. And we were talking about what matinees we were seeing. And another one was also seeing A Strange Loop also going by themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and... And everyone, when the other people heard that what I was saying, they're like, that's great. You'll love it so much. And my experience with it, I mean, many things, but a really full audience. I bought my tickets on TKTS, like discounted. Um, so it wasn't a full price sold out show. But yeah. the theater felt really full. Um, I would say the demographic was a lot of black people, African-American audience goers, um, which is not always the audience you'll see on Broadway. And mm-hmm. I felt they were extremely like responsive and excited, like the entire audience to what people were, what we were seeing on stage. It like, it felt yeah. like a high energy audience, especially for a Sunday matinee. My right. like, complaint about it was that it started 20 minutes late and I had a flight to catch. So that's a whole other thing. It was situation. a cast change. It was a last minute It was a cast, cast change. change. <laughs> it yeah, happened. Like four people were out. Four yeah. or seven people were out. Yeah. I feel you? like that show. Okay. So I saw it. I can't remember like what show it was in my weekend. I want to say three, two, I think three, um, with my brothers. Um, this was their favorite show of the trip that we saw. Um, and I think it's kind of interesting to talk about the theater experience because I would say that the audience that was at MJ is a very similar audience that was at A Strange Loop. Including, you know, the people that think that they're there to see the Michael Jackson musical because it's written right, by Michael R. Jackson. Right. Written by Michael R. Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, so, like, it did not happen in my theater, but if you follow A Strange Loop on Twitter, it's happened many times when there are <laughs> theater goers that are disappointed that they're not seeing the Michael Jackson musical and want their money back. Sorry, you should have read the actual um, <laughs> signage when you walked in the theater. But, um, yeah, I think it's interesting because though I saw those two shows, like, kind of back to back, and the audience was was very similar. Um, I would say that the A Strange Loop audience was a bit younger than the MJ audience. Okay. Um, And I don't know that the audience was as um, receptive as yours was. Um, There wasn't any, like, hesitation from the audience, but there wasn't, like, booming applause or cheers um, Mm. as much as I think you got, which... You saw this post A lot of Tony's. gasps. I did see a post Tony's. Yeah. I saw it, I guess, two months after. A lot of gasping in my audience. Yeah. You know? Which, like, the first wasn't time the case. They say, the first time they say Scott Rudin, the audience really was like... <gasps> yeah. Um, it was fun. Before we get into our thoughts on the show, I think it's important to talk about, like, 
the timeline that this happened because obviously won the Pulitzer Prize in 2020 and then also in 2020 was I would say like one of the biggest movements for Black Lives Matter that we've had mm-hmm. in ever and I think it also showed um, there was like an awakening for the theater community and this is obviously mm-hmm. when like a lot of the Scott Rudin stuff came to light there was a lot of people that came out and spoke about their experience um, being an actor on Broadway and not getting certain roles. There was a lot of like information out there that wasn't previously public that became public. And then when this was announced, it was like finally something Mm -hmm. that the black community had been waiting for. And then at the same time that the black actors on Broadway had been waiting for. Um, and sure, a completely a completely black cast in this show, which yeah. is very rare. And you know, writer also a, a queer mm. black man. Like it's there was so mm. much going for this, which as you were saying, like the momentum really built during the pandemic. But there was also mm-hmm. that like awakening of no, we can't continue to produce the Music Man on Broadway. Oh my God, that's <laughs> something that happened. The it's Music closing. Man is closing. Wow. <laughs> and it's so closing. is Beetlejuice. Those were two things just, that happened. Yeah. But right, like right. To, okay. to bring in the Music Man and like, you know, Scott Rudin attached to the Music Man, still. maybe not maybe not like a public face of it, but like he's still mm. attached to it. So to he's think He's still that, making money from it. To think that on whatever street the Music Man is <laughs> playing and then like three blocks over, a show talking about like, Scott Rudin in a completely different manner is also playing like the thing that stands out to me the most is what you said as soon as you saw it with like I love that this is on Broadway but at the same time as you were sitting in the theater you're like I cannot believe that this is on Broadway because it just doesn't it doesn't fit them in quotations like the mold that Broadway created and I think that this show is obviously like breaking that mold and showing what we can do in the future Absolutely. Like the whole time I was in there, I was like, I can't believe this is in the same venue as Chicago. You know, I can't believe you're going to, there's a bucket of Broadway shows and a strange loop and the music man are considered like the same genre. I was just, they're so vastly, vastly different. Um, I'm trying to, I want to, I have like so many things that I was thinking of when you were talking, like in response to what you were saying. One thing that I absolutely love about this show is that it's so specific. It is not, it is obviously about a black man. It is written by a black man, but it is not attempting to represent every black man ever. It is attempting to represent this one specific Specific. black man's experience, Usher's experience. And I saw an interview with Michael R. Jackson. He said, it's not autobiographical, it's self-referential. It's Mm -hmm. not exact specific things that happened to him, um, that happened in his life, but it is about the, his experience, like, moving through the world um, and kind of reflects on that. And so many times when you have something that that stars a specific race or a specific gender, it's given the burden of representing every person from that uh, community or group. And this show has like divested itself of that um, responsibility and is able to be so specific Uh, Mm -hmm. to this one person ushers experience that it almost becomes universal. It becomes, it represents so many more people than it could have. Um, And it just, I I felt so much joy watching it, especially like, and everyone around me, I think was having a wonderful time. Obviously it gets like quite dark, but I felt so much joy in getting to like see this story on stage. Um, Mm -hmm. And I was just like, the whole time I was so excited. It was wonderful. 
It's interesting because um, obviously we come at this as like at a completely different perspective than For anyone sure. else. We are women. We are white women. And we are the I, inner white girl. If we you are the inner white girl. Exactly. Um, and I talked to a few people that I know that saw it. Um, and one person said he's openly gay with a partner. And he saw a strange loop because um, it was actually off of my recommendation because I was like, you better see it now before it wins the Tonys and then you can't get a ticket. And um, he saw it. And when I talked to him... He was like, you know, I liked it, but as like an openly gay man, there are many scenes in this show that like hit too close to home. So I can't relate to that. You can't relate to that. We can relate to like other aspects of that show, but there is something so, as you said, like specific that like you can pick and choose pieces of what you can relate to, but... I don't know. I never thought like I obviously can appreciate and understand that like the the last 20 minutes of that show are quite heavy. Um, but I don't feel the things that like an openly gay man would feel because how can I? Um, mm-hmm. So it was interesting to get that perspective of like I liked it but didn't love it because it was difficult to watch. Mm. No, for sure. Yeah. Being we're able to have some like remove from the situation or from the storyline um or perspective um it doesn't hit as close to home as it does for other people yeah so there's like an objectivity that we can have and where we can like feel those feelings because then we get to like shed them at the end right um and that's like one of the great things i think about theater is that you get to go into a theater and you get to like emote with the people on stage and like be in their mind space or headspace and then you get to walk out of the theater and kind of like leave them behind a little bit um Mm -hmm. but yeah because it's so specific i can see it hitting like so much harder to people who are relating to those specific scenarios yeah but there were some things that to it you know it was extremely specific but there were other like themes like parental expectations you know or your own expectations or you know working in a job even just like, like not your fulfilling life dream Yeah, Um, and also, like, the whole religious side of it. Like, you might not be living, like, a certain... The the exact same situation as Usher, but I'm sure a lot of people can relate to, like, the religious aspect and, like, the disowning of their family Mm. because of religion. So that's also something that I don't think is explored a lot in theater in general is, like, the other side of religion. Um, I guess, and I feel like this is a loaded question, but, like, what did you think of the show? As an overall. That is quite a loaded question. It's very, it's hard to like put into words or hard to Also, like sorry, I feel like I for anyone that doesn't know what a strange loop is, right. we completely like yeah, lost what, over that. What, that's true. What would be our 30 second summary? Um, it's about a musical theater writer, a black gay musical theater writer named Usher, who works as an usher at the Lion King while he tries to fulfill his dream of writing a musical and i found it quite about about being a black gay musical theater writer working at the lion king um (laughs) and so on and so forth (laughs) it's a strange loop it's a loop um and it also i feel kind of loops with michael r jackson who worked as an usher who was writing a musical about a black gay queer while being a black gay queer musical theater writer anyway um the way that this musical is staged 
it's like you're watching Usher write the musical in real time on stage. Yes. He's saying, is this how I end it? And now I end it like this. But the audience doesn't want that. And it's he's like having a conversation with himself and with the audience um, mm-hmm. about the structure and of the writing of the musical. And so you mm-hmm. kind of get brought along this journey of the writing, which I thought was like a really clever like construct because you're watching a musical about a writer and you're being like brought in as like a collaborator in his process as the audience. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I love that element of it. I agree. I think the writing aspect is very interesting because I also, um, and it's in the cast recording too, but like he asks, can I really write this? And I think that's something that we're all thinking at some point during the show. Um, I also think that this is an interesting, like, cast recording to stage um like if you listen to the cast recording first and only listen to the cast recording you don't get the full picture of what's happening in the musical and I was surprised by that because for some reason mm. I thought that this was like this was it um but there's I thought it was a much more, more minimally dialogue. staged I thought it was much more minimally staged than it ended up being oh really yeah what I did you think what did you I, picture I didn't no I knew about like the doors I guess but I just didn't yeah. get I didn't expect the stage to like open up in the way it did right well and the and amount of set scene. changes let's say yeah but yeah. It, it kind of opens up as the show goes on it st- starts quite forward let's say with like the doors mm-hmm. at the back and then mm-hmm. they move further back and things open up and then you know the whole stage opens up um, um the other thing that I will say about this is that there is really only seven people in that cast and they never leave the stage, basically. There's like a few Usher of the especially. that like... Usher's there the whole time, but like I also feel like a lot of the thoughts are there majority mm-hmm. of that show. So um, both you and I did not see Jaquel Spivey, who um, is still playing the role of Usher, nominated for a Tony. Um, we saw Kyle uh, Raymond Freeman, who... I think we both agree that he doesn't have the, um, like, innocence of a younger face, per se, like Jaquel does, but mm-hmm. vocally, oh my god. A star. Vocally a star. Absolutely. Um, um, he sounded amazing. He's so good. He sounded amazing. Yeah. So, that's also something, and I've said this before, and I'll say it again, but specifically for a show like that, if you are not seeing the lead if you were seeing an understudy it's not like you're not going to get the highest caliber of performance because i would never know that he wasn't the star of this show like if i had not if i if i didn't know like there's i'm sure there are people in the audience that don't know the same stuff that we do and you i like as we were walking out i heard people say like his vocals his like performance everything so and that goes for the thoughts too there are so many like interchangeable which is mm-hmm. crazy to me that like everybody can play basically all six parts. <laughs> um, and there are so many understudies. And the other thing too about that is the um, casting of the thoughts. Like there is no, there is no like gender casting. Um, first openly trans actor in this show, uh, many non-binary understudies. Um, all of the thoughts are kind of like genderless and, I don't know. Mm. I just think that like and this play show... characters of different genders at different moments in the show. Yeah, like this show did so much, but at the same time, it didn't feel like it was too much. If that makes mm. sense. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, Whereas sometimes we're like complaining about other shows and like how they're trying to like throw every single topic at you and it feels overwhelming and doesn't make sense and ends up tonally like not being my favorite. Whereas this is like we stuck to the story, but so much is going on in this story I don't know. It's just like it's interesting. It's hard to. It's honestly hard to it was like, very describe focused. this show. It was. It's a very. It had a singular focus. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't nothing that was done in any way felt like superfluous. It was everything was very intentional and added to the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and every set change, every costume change, but every like song, every line said by every thought or character felt like so intentional and like moved it forward um yeah not, there was no like fat to cut in this in this show um which is crazy and speaking of that it's 90 minutes no intermission so praise <laughs> praise um like can i talk about my stress actually so i saw it so basically i saw it on a sunday matinee it was at three o'clock i only so and my flight was at like 8 p.m um mm-hmm on Sunday night and I sent my parents to a different show there. They were at the play that goes wrong, which is like two hours with intermission. It started at two. So they were going to be done at four. And I'm like, my show starts at three o'clock. It's 90 minutes. So I'll be done at four 30 and I'll, it was six minutes from hotel. I'll like race back. Okay. Yeah. This show doesn't start till three twenty, so I'm panicking. You were I'm texting stressed. me. I literally remember I this so clearly. I was walking around winners I was like <laughs> texting you and you were like, it hasn't started. I'm like, you're going to miss your flight. Like you're going to miss the flight. <laughs> it hasn't started. So my parents are like, uh, I told them, I texted them. I was like, the show's starting late. Like, don't worry about me because I couldn't text them during the show because there's no intermission. I couldn't like keep them updated. I'm yeah. Like, yeah. The show's starting late. Don't worry about me. I'll text you when it's over. They're like, okay. They were already stressed. They were already stressed right. about this. Me too. So I was also stressed. <laughs> <you're> stressed. So <laughs> after the show's over, normally I like to stay till the end of that, um, end of like the orchestra playing or, or, I was yeah. the first person out of the theater I was the first person out. the band is still playing I'm down the street I am down the street <laughs> you know I applaud I didn't leave early I applauded like the cast was off stage the but curtain call I was happened. down the street yeah. the curtain call yeah. happened um I was down the street the band is still playing I'm at the corner um I saw Rachel Dratch on the way home <laughs> like leaving the POTUS stage door um Amazing. and I get to the hotel within six minutes I was texting my parents I'm like I'm, on, I'm coming I'm on the way um, they had just lost a taxi though. They had a taxi waiting and they couldn't wait long <laughs> enough and we had to get a new taxi. Um, so whatever. Um, my dad was like, if, if we miss our flights, you have to pay for the difference. I'm like, okay. We didn't miss our flights. It was fine. It yeah. was fine. Um, but it was quite stressful. They started 20 minutes late. And I think the reason they started 20 minutes late is because, uh, five minutes before they actually started, they came over the, uh, the microphone, the announcer and said the role normally played by Jaquel Spivey will now be played by Cal Ramar Freeman. And because I thought I was seeing Jaquel, I was like, oh my God, he's in, it's a matinee, this is crazy. No, I did not. Which is fine, but but we really, I really thought it was happening and it wasn't happening. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about the schedule in a second, but back to the 90 minutes. We always appreciate a 90 minute, no intermission. Yes. But. Editing. When I was talking to this person about seeing a strange loop, he was like, I would have preferred an intermission so I could have like decompressed during intermission. I was like, interesting. Mm -hmm. So this is just another point of like, we don't have the same perspective as other people do. And I don't know where the intermission point would be because I feel like as you get to that like middle chunk of the show, 
you're kind of like on that journey until the end and there's no break point because you almost want, and I wonder if this was intentional to not have an intermission break. Yeah. It's very tense towards the end. And I feel like breaking that you would lose a bit of focus and you would also lose a bit of the audience and their reaction. I feel. Mm. Yeah. You know, he's saying he wanted a bit to take a break. I don't think they want you to take that break. I think they want you to like be worked up and worked up throughout the whole thing. Um, yeah. So like the the like end hits harder because you haven't had a moment to like step away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's interesting. But back to the schedule. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think there is a schedule right now as far as I I don't think there's know. a pre-announced one. I don't think but there's a pre-announced one. It seems that Jaquel does not do whatever the matinee is. Wednesday? Wednesday? And Wednesday? Saturday. Saturday, Sunday? And maybe he doesn't Sunday. do two show days. Is that the rumor? He doesn't do two show I days? I think the rumor is that he doesn't do two show days. And again, this is fine. Um, but I don't know if we talked about this on an episode. Maybe we did, but we've definitely talked about this in person. But that role is so grueling. Um, Mm -hmm. I would compare it to, like, an Evan Hansen, where, again, like, Evan doesn't Mm -hmm. leave the stage for the entire time, except for intermission, because there is one there. And you are, like, going through all of the emotions, so there is no time for, Mm -hmm. like, that actor to decompress. And then at the same time, you are, like, singing your face off on all of these songs. And Mm -hmm. the character is, as stated in the song, like, fat. So he is a bigger guy, and this is a lot more of an extreme than like He's sweating. Yeah, like than than the like people that are playing Evan, who are typically like very thin guys that are just like running around. So it's already like an added element. Plus, like all of the the songs that you're singing, you never leave the stage. I feel there should be a schedule because there's no like there's no harm in a schedule that no one's like upset about this i just think that it's like nicer to know so that things don't happen like when you're sitting waiting for a show to start for 20 minutes because they have to do a cast change at the last minute you know i do i do think shows should be less ashamed of doing a schedule especially for and also transitioning to do a schedule you know realizing you know we thought we could do eight performances a week what what what's actually shake shaken out is that eight performances a week is not sustainable mm-hmm. um and I think even the actors might appreciate knowing, you know what, I only have to do one show this day. I don't have to like call out. I don't have to like burden my understudy last minute. Maybe it's not as last minute as we think. Um, but, you know, knowing, okay, I can like mentally prepare myself, physically prepare myself to do like, let's say six shows a week. Um, and, and then it might even relieve some of the stress of doing the role if you yeah. know exactly when you have to do it and when you don't. No, I 100% agree. And I think the first time we ever saw this was, again, with, like, Dear Evan Hansen. Obviously, Ben Platt was the first person to leave that eight-show schedule to do the six because vocally it was, like, literally Mm -hmm. damaging his voice. Well, like, Phantom of the Opera, it's always been, for Christine, it's been six forever. And any celebrity that walks in, there's always a schedule. Leah Michelle does not perform on Thursdays. It is a known fact. And I do think that, like... And I think that's good because Bean was calling out because it was hard on her. Yes. Bette Midler um, didn't do Tuesdays, okay? No, she did Donna didn't. Murphy did. Donna yeah. Murphy did Which Tuesdays. Is, and, and here's the thing. That's a perfect example of that because there are some people that are like, I already saw Bette. I want to see Donna. So, like, maybe you already saw Jaquel and you want to see an understudy. This it is your opportunity. It creates a moment. It creates yes. a moment for the other person. 
Yeah, so I I agree. We need to like stop the stigma around schedules, whether there is one or not. It feels like it to the public, so they should just like end that. Formalize it. This is also like a PSA for Anne Juliet. Juliet needs a schedule, guys. We can't have her go on eight times a week. (laughs) It's hard. It's a lot of it's a lot of singing. Yeah, and yeah. So sometimes you can adjust to a schedule. You can try out eight shows a week, and then you can say, you know what, that didn't work for us, and add one later. It's fine. There's Um, no shame. Okay, let's get into music. Yes. Okay. Let's. I do mean, it. I know your favorite song. Pre seeing it, but is it the same song post seeing it? Um, that's really hard. So I, so when I got my cat my program, I like looked in my slips right now. Like, yeah. The only person I'd be like really upset not to see is John Andrew mm-hmm. Morrison, who was nominated for a Tony and who has been with the show for a really long time and kind of gets like his like star making moment um, as Usher's mother singing the song periodically. Um, And that is my favorite song on the cast recording. I think it's like stunning, gorgeous um, and heartbreaking and devastating all at once. Like as a mother who is saying all these things like out of love, who, who thinks they're speaking from love for their child, but is actually like hurting their child with those words. And then, for she's saying these things to him and then he starts to sing along with her because he has internalized those things that he's always said to her devastating and i think it works so well on stage because i love you and i don't want your soul to be wasted it hurts me so bad sometimes i can't taste it hell is real sinners burning Sinners churning in rivers of fire Because of filthy, unholy desire Hell is real Though we love you, don't repent Cause you know it would please I was gonna say, I would say that like you don't get the full gist of the devastation just through the cast recording. This song took on like a completely different meaning for me when I saw it on stage. I was like, oh, this is heartbreaking. Yeah, it's like she's telling him like, you, I believe you are going to hell. And he yeah. is like repeating that, singing that along with her because he has heard it over and over again his entire life that she, like he is going to hell. And he is it is just like his mantra in his mind um so i really think like it worked amazingly on stage um another one i loved like that has become a fave since like it's always been great but has become a fave since i saw it is inner white girl i mm-hmm. this is a party song to me that's why he clings to his silly inner white girl the same one clinging to me Is it a song okay. for bopping? I don't know, but I bopped in a white girl. <laughs> because maybe maybe it's too relatable. Maybe it's relatable I know. To me. Yeah. No, it's true. Um, I'm trying to think. I don't know if I had a favorite song, like, going into the show, but... And this is, like, a real downer. But um, Memory Song is... Mm. 
stunning. I am lying on the couch, I dreamed that I'm flying, flapping both my wings so hard to keep me from dying, with the crown of God forsaken thorns on my head. Like all those black gay boys I knew who chose to go on back to the like gold. The staging of this was amazing. Um, it's literally like just Usher on stage. And I think like John Andrew Morrison is there no longer like as his mother, but like still looming. Um, mm. And it just was one, like it was sung so, so beautifully. And then just like, I've heard Michael R. Jackson talk about the song and how much he loves it. I think it's in the mm-hmm. um, Tiny Desk when they talk about mm-hmm. memory song. That's a great Tiny um, Desk, actually. Oh, so good. That Tiny Desk is amazing. Um, and I just feel like a lot of people can relate to memory song, but I don't know. I just love the way that it was done on stage. So simplistic, yet like hauntingly mm-hmm. beautiful and devastating at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, surprises? Um, AIDS is God's punishment. AIDS is God's punishment. Sing your song, brother, sing your song. <laughs> For the man who ain't living right. You hear that, Curtis? AIDS is God's punishment. You heard my cry, pitted every groan. For he who sings in the night. Let him know, let him know, let him know. Hey! I screamed. I screamed. I don't want to say what happens because for anyone that's going to see it, it's truly like jaw on the floor shocked. But at that point, I was like, this stage is massive. Like, I didn't even realize how big the stage was. Yeah. Like, again, not to like give everything away, but I was like, oh, it's so odd. I mean, not that all sets go all the way to the top, but it felt like it's so odd because we're they were kind of like blocking if you're sitting too high up the top was kind of like let's say blocking the view of the back and i was like is there nothing in there but then there was something in there there's something like in it there. opens up there's um, something and also major like, in there <laughs> it's it was crazy it was absolutely crazy um yeah that was also crazy. What's, what's the song where they all were like el morgan lee is whitney houston which one is that oh my god because that was a I fave was, to me. I thought it was Exile and Gable, but I actually don't think it is. It might be. Okay, let me read the summary for a second. Um, while you read the summary, just another thing on AIDS is God's, God's Punishment. There is so much happening on stage that you're trying to focus on like one specific thing, but you obviously can't because there are so many different aspects going on. And then on top of this, you have whoever's playing Usher, like riffing the hell out of that song. I really? was floored. It was like, it was so good. 
maybe that's my favorite, but like it's also controversially my favorite. But like, no, no, no. you know, Ace of Punishment was was the moment of the show. There, and then like, when we came oh, back, was the moment. every so often, you and I, whenever we're in the car, we're just like. AIDS is God's punishment. Why? I don't know. Because it's just like in my mind. <laughs> it was great. No, it was great. Um, so where the, everyone comes out like as the celebrities or like Harriet Tubman, um, 12 Years a Slave. It's Tyler Perry writes real life, which is also funny. Um, this That also cracked me up. Who is it? Which actor is it? Oh my God. He's um, so... He's so, so good. John Michael Lyles, who comes out as his agent and he's like trying to like talk about... They're doing the phone call and he's like... I no, you hate him or whatever he said. <laughs> he's like choreography. I uh, know you think he sucks, but he's like, he to me was like standout of the thoughts because sometimes mm-hmm. on the cast recording it's hard to tell which thought is singing which okay. part because mm-hmm. most of the time they're all in the songs. Um, but I wasn't sure because. As you said, John Andrew Morrison nominated for a Tony. Also, El Morgan Lee nominated for a Tony. And I was like, what mm. does she sing? I'm not 100% sure what she sings, but she sings that. Right. Um, a sympathetic ear. Something wicked. Yeah. yeah. That's the song yeah. she sings. But then she also has these like other incredible moments in the background of songs when she's always doing like the high harmony. I'm like, yes, girl. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is so good. And his acting so funny. presence there's also a moment he's also so small he's like the smallest tiny of them. so he's like so stands tiny. out in that way you know who he is if you see it he's wearing like the cropped like the most cropped crop top um <laughs> and he's the smallest one there but there's also a moment doesn't he have like a gun of money and he's like throwing money that's possible but I, I don't recall that i don't remember there was also a moment in aids has got punishment when like he's doing something vocally and he's like jumping up and down on the stage. I was only watching him for like a good two minutes of that song. Like, I, I also feel like you have so much creative freedom as the thoughts. Mm. Certain times, obviously, um, mm. but it must be fun to play because if you're all taking on like a different character, even if you're an understudy stepping in for one night, like you mm-hmm. are. As they say, is it the first song when they like discuss who they are? Like there's self loathing, there's mm-hmm. I, like so many doing? different things. Yeah. Right. Um, so it must be like super fun to like take on those roles and basically like harass your main character the entire night. <laughs> I agree. It's something that's actually like very like controlled and choreographed because they all have to be in very specific pop- spots for the things, but it also feels very much like each of the thoughts are allowed to have their own personalities and like we're assuming anyway that they're bringing themselves to to yeah. that different thought um I so it'd be interesting like to see so else. i saw two understudies and it was fun to like see them slot in but i like seeing it again it would be fun to see and like kind of rearrange the thoughts and see yeah how if it came across as different or if it felt different yeah i also like the way that they interact with each other um mm-hmm. i don't know it's just super fun Um, the other thing that's like interesting about this story and I would say these are like probably the skip songs for me is like the sexual marketplace for Usher as stated in one of the songs it's just too uncomfortable to listen to and I think that's the point is that for us like it's supposed to make you uncomfortable and for other people like they've probably had a very similar experience to that or they're like currently living that experience but I Mm -hmm. thought that they did like an interesting um, staging for some of those scenes. The sex scene, which is quite graphic, 
um, when you're listening to it on the cast recording Mm -hmm. is like just as graphic on stage. And Mm -hmm. I don't know why I wasn't expecting it to be that way, but I also think at the same time that it's important that it was that way because it kind Mm -hmm. of like puts that whole like Usher's, I don't know, feeling uncomfortable and like, I don't know, he, he doesn't leave that feeling positive and like you as an audience member also leave that interaction feeling like a little I just feel out. like you just feel so, I feel so bad for Usher at so many points in this show. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if yeah. that's the point, mm. but maybe it's like one of the points. <laughs> like are I we think, supposed to be I mean, sympathetic to him the whole way through or are we supposed to like challenge what he's thinking? I don't know. I don't know either. I think sometimes maybe and maybe I'm off base on this, but I think obviously he, like, he's facing these hardships, but it's also like your mind or it's, it's like you're delving into his like mind and how he's feeling about himself. And maybe Mm -hmm. it's like, you're seeing how, like, you know, his self, his self, his self-loathing, like how, how he treats himself on the inside. And it maybe makes you examine like, how do I treat myself in my mind? How am I thinking about myself um, mm-hmm. versus like how other people are seeing me? Like, what am I internalizing um, yeah. that I shouldn't be? And what am I always like dwelling on or focusing on that's like negative or not? I don't know. That's not a fully formed thought at this point. No, but... I know. <laughs> I feel like many, most of this episode is like, is this right? I'm not sure if this is right. But I think that that's important. And the, the, mm. like, the most important thing it of this show is conversation. that exactly, yeah, it leaves you with questions and it leaves you wanting to like talk about it, which I think is mm-hmm. important. Yeah, I've definitely talked about it. I tried to explain it to people. It's a hard one to recommend. Um, I, I like. I thought it was fantastic, wonderful, but at the same time, it's like, would you recommend this to specific people only? No, like, I know <laughs> this is it's, this is it, not a recommend is, to everyone. No, I mean, you didn't go with your parents. No. Before I even saw it, I was like, I will be going alone. Thank you. And when I talked to my parents about it, I said, like, I would not see this with you. Like, I saw Mm -hmm. it with the two right people to see it with, and that's it. Like, I wouldn't... This isn't a family affair kind of a show. No. No, it's not. Even though he is an usher for The Lion King. For The Lion King. You're not seeing The Lion King. (laughs) I did. I did walk out. So I was, like, rushing back to my hotel. I walked out of the theater, and I had to walk under the, 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 the under the like the Minskoff like driveway yeah. area, and I was like, "Wow, this is this is too much. This is too much." I am living my own strange loop right yeah. now. Is like, basically what? The Lion King is Usher here? Is he here? I mean, um, I guess this leads directly into my next question: of what is this? What is its life on Broadway? Do you think that's that is a really great question. So it has been like pretty consistently on TKTS and like a fairly easy rush, I've heard. Yeah, they just um, actually like in the last couple of months, um, they have a digital rush through Telecharge. And oh, really? That's great. funnily enough, because I just signed up for the Telecharge like lottery today. Mm-hmm. I at six o'clock, the show started at eight tonight. Um, I looked to see if there was any if like was... digital rush available, and there was. So this was like two hours to curtain. I think it was like. A partial view in a box seat but the digital rush is $55 and honestly maybe some other show should take note on this digital rush because mm-hmm. just give your unsold great. tickets at the end I think I paid around $61 we paid for um, back back mez and we That's paid 79 for 
um, like front orchestra, but side. So it was mm. like slightly obstructed. Most the only thing that was like really obstructed is the thoughts are all in neon doors. Is that the best way to describe that? Or like door frames, yeah. I guess. And yeah. they don't like open or close. They're just we frames. were obstructed to like the furthest to the left, but okay. they don't spend. All of the they time enter in there. and exit in there. Yes, and then the there was like another scene when he's doing the um, when he's dressed as like the priest and talking to his family when they're like in the house that like okay. we missed an entrance type thing. There was a laugh. I don't know what the character was wearing. <laughs> it was but giving like, sitcom. It was giving. We, mi- like, we missed that moment. The Cosby but, Show situation. But I would say like the majority of that show takes place like in the middle. Um, right. So if you do get a partial view seat, it's not like you're obstructed for the entire show. Um, yeah. But, and you're also... Not, you're not missing tap dancing in the back corners or anything. Yes. Um, before we get into the life, I do want to point out, because I think there was like a lot of negativity around the sound in the Lyceum, and I don't mm. think it exists. And maybe things were like worked out like post previews, but like it sounds fine in there. And if that's the reason that you're not going to the show, like don't listen to that you're, you're right we heard a lot about the like bad sound mixing it was yeah. I, I agree it was fine for me i would say the one moment was that opening number intermission song when there there's seven people saying different Singing things at, at the different same time. times totally um and they're not harmonizing they're all doing something different and that was like a little bit like overwhelming but probably but again intentionally it's on purpose yes yeah you're just like usher 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 like all it's the like Oh my god! Oh my god! Yeah. That moment, yes. Yeah, it's like very like cacophonous in that moment um, on purpose. Um, but yeah. yeah, I the sound mixing for me was okay at the back of the Mez um, yeah. three months ago. So yeah, you know, I don't. Yeah, life on Broadway here. This is not a show that's going to run forever. No, I think already it's had an extremely successful run that it could be proud of. Oh, for um, sure. I wonder, and I don't know if we have this information out yet. I haven't like looked up to see, but like, have they recouped? I haven't heard that. I haven't heard of yeah. recouped. I don't think it's a very expensive show to run. No. Not a very big cast. No. There is like a bit of a set, but not mm-hmm. like, it's not insane. Um, and the band isn't huge Seems either. small, seems small. Wait, I can look up how big the band is here. Um, but yeah, it's not, it's just like a band. It's not like an orchestra or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so it doesn't seem like it's super expensive to run. Oh, it says orchestra, let's see. Music keyboard director, two, three, four, five, six people. Six people. Oh, that's it. Wow. So, Very small. Yeah. So quite small. Quite small. Um, so it doesn't seem like it's super expensive to run, which always can extend. And like, do we think people want the Lyceum? The Lyceum's a small-ish house. So it doesn't know. need to like, so it doesn't need to like sell like 2,000 tickets a week to be profitable. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, it's under a thousand, I think. So like it's pretty good um my prediction is going to be it closes in the spring like i think that's spring fair. post tony's moment so like, like it's gonna last through the winter but almost a year or not even a year? about a year about okay. a year maybe a little more than a year that would yeah. be my prediction yeah Plus i january. agree with that but <laughs> um i know january January does seem to be, like, the death month of all of the shows, so... The one reason I would say that is because, like, that January to March period... Rough. ...is a really hard sell. Like, not it's a lot already, of are coming. And, and it's, it's already, already a hard sell. Yeah. Yeah, so you're, you're 
market is like really depleting in those months and a lot of shows will close instead of trying to weather those months mm-hmm. um so i i think it go either way there but it's it, i think like a year long run or a nine month long run is like a really amazing run for a show like this and then we've said this before i can't wait to see original production of this show oh my god i know a very I, a sensitively I... done respectful <laughs> regional production yes. Do not license this show if you are an all-white school. Like, just no. don't do it. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I'm not seeing it being done in high schools or anything. I could oh my god, no! Maybe, but like, university universities, could. but not high school. Um, I, I like uh, as a Toronto theater goer, I want to see Obsidian Theater do something. Oh really yeah, great with this show. Um, yeah, they've had wonderful productions. Obviously, the last thing we saw was like um, Carolina Change, but they had like a great productions of like Passing Strange. Like, I want to see them, like. To get a hold of this show and do something really exciting. I can't wait. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I think they should be proud of any run that they had on Broadway because, again, like this, it seems like the little show that could. Um, yet, by doing what it did, it kind of reinvented what theater could be, which I think is really exciting. And I think a lot of things are being like tried now that maybe we're mm. afraid to be tried before um it is the opposite of commercial oh my god but it is also it is kind of commercial but it is it's in a different way anti-commercial yeah (laughs) it's crazy um and yeah I think we say this a lot um but to me this is like an off-Broadway made show that Mm. obviously ended up on Broadway so like maybe in a few years from now like they will go back to off-Broadway have a life like look at Kinky Boots right now they are yeah. having a major life off-Broadway and that's a crowd I don't pleaser know. it's a crowd pleaser but I think that this mm. like is prestigious enough that it's like oh I want to see this in a small space yeah, an intimate with, space like, for sure with like a close group of people type thing like I'm not running to tell for sure. Like a grandparent to go see this. Like you want to see right. this with like someone that you like care to see it with. So for that, I think, as you said, it's like kind of a hard to recommend show. But I do think that it should be seen. And if you're like, again, questioning whether or not you should go see it, just go see it and then like form your own opinions on it. Um, One yeah. thing I didn't talk about. I feel like we it would be remiss if we didn't mention this. Um, Larry Owens. Who was on oh my the god! I recording. yes, <laughs> I just I just love him, and I don't really have anything interesting to say. I just I just love him on this cast recording. That yeah. are, there's two cast recordings: the original one and the Broadway cast recording. Um, and it's that original one that like made me like fall in love with the show when it hadn't that I was listening to for years before I saw it. And so it's Larry mm-hmm. Owen's voice that I hear singing these songs for the most part, even after hearing Jaquel on the new cast recording and Kyle in person. Like, it's Larry Owen's voice and performance on these songs that, like, will stay with me, I think, forever. Yeah. Thoughts Um, on that? (laughs) No, I agree. Um, I love Larry Owens' voice, too. I think it's unmatched. Um, And he also has, like, a different sense of innocence. Jaquel is obviously younger. Um, He's, like, 23. Mm -hmm. Um, So fits kind of, like, the correct age range for this character. But... Larry Owens is, like, he's the best. And I want to see him in something because I feel like this should have been the opportunity. But obviously, like, life went on. The time maybe didn't... Time. Wasn't right. Like, it was just... It, it took time to get there. And he had been attached to this project for so many years before. Um, 
Brado is even in the question. So um, I do want to see him in something. Um, a couple more things before we like wrap up a, this, a strange mm-hmm. loop portion. Um, we also did not mention that, no, this is not autobiographical, but yes, Michael R. Jackson has been working on this musical for like 20 years. So this is yeah. not like a, he wrote this, he got lucky. I mean, I mean, winning a Pulitzer Prize is, I would say like, not lucky, but like you're mm. very talented at what you do. Um, Absolutely. But it's not like he wrote this one in 2018, submitted it in 2019, won the Pulitzer Prize in 2020, and then won Best Book at the Tonys in 2022. No, this was like many, many, many years in the waking, in the making. So it also seems right that it did get all of this recognition because of how long it took to get here. It's hard to follow up a project like that, one that you've spent your entire life writing, and then and your he, next and thing. And he is, he is. Well, following you got to, you got to follow it up. Um, yeah. So, what's his uh, next work? I think, like recently announced, um, Michael R. Jackson's next musical is called White Girl in Danger, and it is set to begin previews at the Tony Kaiser Theater on March fifteenth next year. And you went to the Tony Kaiser so Theater soon. recently. I did go to the Tony Kaiser Theater, seeing something I think it, very similar to yeah, this, between the lines between the and lines. this white girl between in danger sounds the basically the same. No, my final thought I would say is that uh, the I was just so happy that it's on Broadway. I think we've said that this whole time, but every time you see something that's like truly original and different mm-hmm. from anything you've ever seen before. I, it just made me so happy that it's on a stage, on a platform, that so many people are seeing it. This sounds very preachy, um, but it, just getting to see something unlike anything I've ever seen before is a gift. And my R. Jackson and Broadway and the producers gave that to me and to everyone. Um. No, I kind of agree. I feel like anytime you can challenge the system... And it mm-hmm. works, and it's successful. Yeah. Is like a win. challenge it. Yes, it's it's a complete it out. win. So mm-hmm. if that again, as I said, like inspires other people to write and challenge the system further, then like even one day on Broadway was enough, you know. And seeing that it can make money, you know, hopefully yeah. this is showing other producers take a chance or this thing that you think is a little bit. Oh my god, sorry. Or a little bit challenging. It can do it. I was going to say, we didn't even talk about all of the celebrities that were behind this <laughs> musical. Oh, who produced it? Who produced it? Tell us. Um, well, EGOT winner herself, Miss Jennifer Hudson. Um, yes. I, th- I think it's a little bit of a cop-out when you EGOT off of a producer credit, but that's just me. That's rude to Whoopi Goldberg and John Legend. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to pass and Paul were producers on this. Did we know that? I feel like I did look that up at one point. Okay, I am Amazing. on the IBDB of you a strange loop. You know why? Stephen... No. Oh. Stephen Brackett? Was he, does he know Yes. Them? Yes. Does he? How? How does he know uh, them? Maybe he doesn't he know them. them. Never mind. Well, why does Stephen Brackett sound up. like someone that directed Dear Evan Hansen, even though I know it was but Michael Bryce? But he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't. He didn't do What did Stephen Brackett direct? Was it The Lightning Thief? It was The Lightning Thief, and it was also... You know what? Those two shows, also the exact same. The Lightning Thief and A Strange Loop are the same show. You're right. You're right. They really (laughs) challenge the audience in the same way. Okay? Um, Also, uh, which was exciting, Charlie Rosen, I think, is the musical director, who is very young and did um, Be More Chill. So he's in the, like, 
Joe Iconis family. So I remember during Tony mm. time, so many people were like cheering him on because mm. another one that's like, is this a is this a strange fit for this? Maybe I don't know. Stephen Brackett also well, seems kind of like a strange fit for this. But he was with the project for a really long time. I feel yeah, from, he was from very early. Um, yeah, and kind of like before he'd done Be More Chill, before he'd done all these other shows, he was involved in a strange loop. Okay, back to the producer credits. So Pasek and Paul, which okay. I feel like I'm learning for the first time today. Random. Um, RuPaul, we knew. Amazing. Alan Cumming. Did we know that? I didn't. Fantastic. Um, Jennifer Hudson, obviously, EGOT. Um, Mindy Kaling. And uh, fantastic. I'm trying to see if there's anyone else here other than the last person I see. Oh, like Don famous. Cheadle. Don Cheadle. Wow. Okay, okay. Don Cheadle. Mark Platt, obviously. Um, and then the last person on this list is Billy Porter, who I'd like to announce I saw walking in the streets of Toronto. I knew that. (laughs) You texted me. No, I voice noted you, didn't I? You did. You voice noted me. I was driving home from work and I was like, where was I? Hi, (laughs) I'm driving right now, but I just need to let you know that I think I saw Billy Porter walking on Queen Street. I was out and I didn't get to listen to it until hours later. And I was like, I can't believe Tara sent me a voice note. Like we only, we save those for very dramatic moments. The first time I did it was for MJ, which like, correct. This The next yeah. time you did it was for Between the Lines. Correct. <laughs> and then I did it for Billy Porter because I was driving and I wanted to be safe. And yeah. then and then we did um, find out on Instagram that he is, yeah, was filming in Toronto. He was, he was directing something He looks here. fabulous. Um, and no sure, one sure. recognized him except for me. <laughs> And I was driving, so well, I couldn't Didn't you stop. say he was dressed the way you would expect Billy Porter to be dressed? Yeah, in his he had like the time. big like um, over ear AirPods, which that's how I knew I was like, this is someone famous because those are very expensive. <laughs> and then he was wearing like, is it called like a Mew Mew? Moo Moo? Moo Moo? Yeah, like a full like arms yeah. out, full like. Yes, but like with a fabric. very bright pattern. So I was like, Amazing. no one else but Billy Porter <laughs> would wear this. <laughs> No one else has the a legend. You know what? Queen Street West, for anyone that lives in Toronto, is sometimes a hub. I also saw the guy that plays Harry Potter and Cursed Child in Toronto walking on Queen Street West. Well, well, he just like lives here. I'm <laughs> so sure like... he does. But I was like, I think that's Harry Potter. And then you know what drove by immediately? The Mervish Harry Potter bus. The Harry Potter bus. <laughs> oh, if only those tour guides knew, that would have actually been a moment. Like, and there's <laughs> Harry, Harry Potter, Potter himself. <laughs> Was he with like a stroller or something? Yeah, he was with a stroller and a baby. Um, that was a text. I didn't voice note you that. It wasn't as no, dramatic. no. That wasn't that was a voice note required. Yeah, not worthy. Okay, let's rate a strange loop and then let's move on to obsessions. Okay, oh um, let's go. I think. I mean, it's hard. It's, I think this is a really hard show to rate because I it agree. is like kind of incomparable. But let's be bold. Let's go five out of five. The little, like, Usher hats he wears. The Usher hats? Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, the little, like, red hats? Yeah. Five out of five. Let's go bold. Um, I'm not going to go as bold, <laughs> and I will go a half step lower and give it four wow. and a half out of five Tyler Perry's. Tyler Perry's himself. <laughs> yeah. Tyler um, Perry writes real life. Will Tyler, Tyler Perry see a strange Perry. loop? I hope at some point, but he has not been there yet. There's a Twitter no, account. But I think he has texted Michael R. Jackson. He has. About it. To congratulate. Yes. He has a good attitude about it. He has a great attitude um, towards it. But there is a specific Twitter account that is like waiting for Tyler Perry to go. I think it's like Tyler Perry sees a strange loop is literally what the handle is. And he's not going. Every so often they tweet being like, not today. No. <laughs> 
he's not gonna go sorry Today. i just don't see it happening i just don't foresee it no um and i don't think he needs okay. to i think that's that's no, no, no. fine he's aware of it and that's enough yeah exactly has scott rudin seen it definitely not <laughs> but he should see it yeah that should be his comeback i actually would be on the journey to forgiveness for scott rudin if he if he actually paid to keep a strange loop open for one extra year and sat in the audience you heard it scott here rudin, first. You heard her here first <laughs> scott rudin balls in your court um and with that being said it is now time for our obsession of the week I actually wanted to correct that would be the journey to forgiveness for Scott Rudin. It wouldn't be it wouldn't be complete forgiveness. I would be ready to be, begin forgiving Scott Rudin. Okay, he was you were ta- you were eating up your obsession time, right? Sorry. Now. Okay, my obsession. Um, Tara, do you know about Kellyoki? Kellyoki, like Kelly Clarkson. Kelly Clarkson on her talk show. Of the course, Kelly I know about Kellyoki. Sings a cover every episode of her talk show. This and is the campaign to get Kelly to Broadway. It is the campaign to get Kelly to Broadway, and she she campaigned hard by singing a, I think, a little bit unexpected song. Um, she sang a few weeks ago, Losing My Mind from Stevenson. How Sondheim's did Follies. I know that this was going to be your obsession this week? I literally saw this on Twitter weeks ago and was like, Steph is banking this for an obsession. <laughs> you know, I take screenshots of things and I save them. And I haven't a, listened to it yet, though. I didn't listen to it. I mean, she's... The best. She's a star. She's amazing. Um, yeah. A beautiful song that um, is loved. She tragically did not remove her wig um, at the mm. end of it because she wasn't wearing one. Otherwise, she definitely would have. <laughs> um, she has never seen that video. She's never seen no, that video. But she um, should see that video. <laughs> she should. Kelly, I'm going to send it to you. Um, no, she sounds amazing. She sounds wonderful. It's also, it's a very like subtle performance from Kelly. Sometimes Kelly goes like over the over top. The top. And it sounds yeah. amazing. But no, this is a really good, like, kind of subtle performance of her singing Losing My Mind from Stephen Sondheim's Follies. And I think about you Spend sleepless nights To think about you You said you love me Or were you just being I love to hear a cover of a musical theater song, not necessarily by a musical theater person, and get to hear that like more pop interpretation and see what they like pick out from the lyrics or what they emphasize. I think it's always interesting to hear those lyrics, especially Sondheim's lyrics, from new eyes and with a new perspective. And I think she's a great interpreter. Even like her, it's quiet uptown, like beautiful. Yes. Like she's yeah. she's working. She knows she knows how to interpret music, and this is no different. Did I send you that tweet that, I can't remember who said it, that said they should stunt cast her as Anne Hathaway and Anne Juliet? Maybe. I don't I, know. That's I'm a not. lot. She could do it. She could sing it. But it's a lot of acting for her. And I don't know if From Justin to Kelly really showed all her strengths. Or it's funny you said they, because I recently watched um, Olivia Wilde's interview on Kelly Clarkson talking about Don't, mm. worry, don't worry Darling. And she was t- Kelly mm. was talking about Harry and how Harry Styles mm. and how he's a musician and she was like how do you like working with musicians and she was like I love working with musicians because they're like so committed and it always like 
translates on screen. And Kelly's like, did you see just from Justin to Kelly? It did not translate on screen. So she knows. I feel like Kelly knows her strengths and knows her weaknesses. And right. I appreciate she's, that. She's 100% herself at all times. And I don't know if that lends it to being an actor. You know? It lends it to a being Kelly a wonderful Clarkson... performer of songs. But What about a Kelly Clarkson jukebox? jukebox? Okay, We're well, calling it we'll Miss Independent. About... Miss Independent, okay. I think it's about That's the a young, sheltered girl who mm-hmm. wins a singing competition and is launched oh to fame. Wait, why hasn't this happened? I feel like this is a very, like, relevant topic and could be turned right. into a musical. Right. Okay. I'm yes. copywriting well, the title right now. Miss Independent. buying the domain. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, and then, like, the kind of 11 o'clock number is my favorite Kelly Clarkson song, Walk Away. Wow. You know? At wow. the end of, like, two-thirds of the way through the show, two-thirds of the way through Act 2, you know, she's, like, to an ex, to her agent, to a songwriter, to Clive Davis. She's like, walk away. <laughs> Is this before or walk after away. Behind These Hazel Eyes? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> We're really going I, I deep. Think, <laughs> I think Behind These Hazel Eyes is in Act 1. Here I am once again. But you know what's definitely pieces. in Act Two, like two songs before the finale, because of you. Mm-hmm. Because of yeah, that we're getting we're heightening the emotions. Where's like Breakaway? I think that's Act Two opener. I'll spread my wings and I'll it's giving Glee though. <laughs> I know. <laughs> what about what? And then the encore is obviously a moment like this. <laughs> oh my god! Like oh my god! <laughs> like fireworks going <laughs> confetti. Honestly. Confetti. She's got a really good catalog that I feel like Amazing. in a few years from now, we could let's, do this. Let's go. But Miss Independent is the piece. title. Piece by piece. Piece by piece. Piece by... Oh my God. Wow. Literally, Kelly has so many bangers. We always forget. We always think about like no, you're right. the standard like jukebox musicals or like bio musicals. Mm-hmm. We never think about Kelly Clarkson. And Kelly today, Clarkson. And we're <laughs> telling you that you should think about Kelly Clarkson. <laughs> It's a long tangent. Wow. Kelly. It's a long read tangent. A musical. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What's your obsession this week? <laughs> My obsession this week is an oldie but a goodie. It's not a new song. It's also a show that we've talked about many times before. But for some reason, whenever I drive to work, I always put my phone on shuffle on the downloaded music. And the song that repeatedly plays every single day, sometimes twice a day, <laughs> is meant to be yours from Heather's. <laughs> And I know that you love this song. I also love this song. But I just want to talk about, like, the acting performance that Ryan McCartan is giving on this cast recording. Because it is truly unmatched. Tonight our school is Vietnam. Let's guarantee they never see their senior prom. I was meant to be yours. We were meant to be. And we always say this, and we still don't have it. The Heather's bootleg that exists on the internet does not have Ryan McCartan's. We have never seen his, like, JD in its full glory. But I just think, like, what would it have been like to watch him record that song in the recording studio? Because he is giving 10,000%, and he doesn't need to. Like, it's so good. 
his JD is unhinged on that cast recording. It's so good. Um, and JD, he he walks the line of being hot and insane. Yes. You know? Yes. And I think Ryan McCartan delivers on that. Yeah, he definitely does. <laughs> um, it's interesting because, like, I've obviously listened to that song so much over the years, but it wasn't until yeah. I listened to it every day for, like, three weeks straight that I really, yeah, truly yeah. appreciated the acting performance that he's giving. Like, if There's you are looking... Acting, it's dialogue. But, like, in a cast recording, but yet I can see, like, every movement that he would be doing. It's, like, honestly, mm-hmm. if you're looking for, like, a masterclass on a cast <laughs> recording of a performance, go listen to Meant to Be Yours. Because the whole Singing section, that Veronica section, and then yeah, also when he's, like, up, making the, like, these. noises of the bomb... I'm like, mm. you're insane. You are insane. Mm. And I love it. Yeah. And also like... This is when he tips over to insane. Yeah. He, and then also at the same time, insane. you're tips. like, I understand why Veronica would die for you because like maybe I would yes. too, you know? It's it's so true. You know, every time we've seen Heathers, we've seen like a university production of it and then we saw <laughs> yeah. like a regional production of it. Um, you know, okay. So actually when we saw the regional production of it, I wasn't like as obsessed with the... You were obsessed the JD, with the Guelph the JD. Cop, the, the, the Guelph JD. He's not even. I wonder. The university where are you? production of Heather's the JD. I was like, Steph hot, was obsessed hot. with him. To find him on Facebook. <laughs> and you know what? His meant to be yours. Pretty good. Hot. Pretty good. It was good. pretty good. It was yeah. pretty good. No. Yeah. yeah. The JD. If you do it right, it, you like you, the audience should fall in love with him and should like empathize with Veronica's situation yes you like, know who's another good example the guy that did it on the west end his name is like escaping mm, me right now Moscato Moscato Jamie yes. Moscato he yeah. also but he went like full creepy I think which yeah. is great you gotta go yeah. there are there are many as you said like levels to JD and you have to hit every single one for a successful performance and you gotta do that like charming freeze your brain moment yeah. to like, get you to this meant to be yours at the yeah. end so Really, what this obsession is, is, like, go listen to the entire Heather's cast recording because it's truly mm-hmm. so great, but specifically meant to be yours and Ryan McCartan's full-out acting performance on that four-minute song. Yes. Um, I always listen to the Broadway one, or the off-Broadway one, and never the West End one. Yeah, me because either. Blue. I want yeah. it. Yeah. And also... I prefer it. We don't love I Can't Say No or Say No or whatever it's called. I say, no. I, I say no. Not I say no. <laughs> Sorry, I, I say, say no. no. I don't love it. It's fine. Um, to it's me. fine. It's fine. Yeah. It's not giving. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and that wraps up our thoughts on a strange <laughs> loop and also our obsession of the week. And um, speaking of Harry Potter, our next ah. episode is the deep dive into Cursed Child. And oh, wow. a small what? teaser. I am ready to drag this show. We're ready. It, yeah, I have a lot of feelings. It's hard to like, we got to collect them. We got to be yeah. ready to, to discuss exactly what um, what happened with that show. I know because you have seen it twice now. So I feel I like have, you I've have, seen the two part version many and the one thoughts. part version. Yeah, I, I do. I have many thoughts. <laughs> I do have many thoughts. Um, so um, that is our next episode. You'll hear that in a couple weeks um, from now. And it will also be Halloween that day. So it feels very fitting um, when you listen to that yeah. episode. Um, and if you want to listen to any of our other episodes, you can do that by subscribing to our podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. And we'd really appreciate it if you left us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also watch us on YouTube. And don't forget to subscribe. 
And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at off 2 BOA Podcast with the number two. And we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.